Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. Do you know what? This flip board makes you want to talk about one topic in particular that's just so wildly in, like not inappropriate, but like just like completely like unrelated to anything that I really want to talk about. But I'm just like, oh, I, I would have some good doodles for that. Um, so it's it's entirely like gears me towards talking about something that I can draw about, um, which I'm not going to do. Okay, I'm actually going to talk about two things today. Um, Two things. I know this is like double the double the fun, but we won't talk for long either. Actually, it's going to be quite a, a short wee stint. Um, Ben's in at one thirty, isn't he? Um, I want to talk to you about conviction and confession, and those two um, words have a lot of um, surrounding baggage behind them. Um, you know, and I don't know if you guys would have. You'll have words in the German for these, um, and I probably should know them because I've talked about this topic dozens of times in Germany as well, um, but that's my memory. Um, but we have a, a lot of baggage around these, these two topics, and so I'll talk about conviction first. And so conviction, um, a lot of people grew up with this concept of, of God convicts us. He, he, he's pointing out our problems, our sins, and he's saying, you need to fix this, you need to sort that out in your life. And this is the connotation we have of conviction. Um, when we, when, we, when we bring it up in Christian circles, a lot of the time, certainly for me and the, the way I grew up in the church, the word conviction didn't, it wasn't a good thing. It was, it was quote unquote good, but you didn't feel very happy about the thought process of being convicted um, because it was God was going to point out your sins and what you had to work on and what you had to deal with. Um, and I want to kind of just revisit that topic of conviction um, from the perspective of grace, of what we've been talking about, if you're righteous and, you know, we, we, we are right standing before God. We are accepted before God. God says he, he remembers no more our sins. You know what I mean? How can a God who chooses to not remember our sins point out our sins? You know, have you ever thought about that? It's quite a, a weird concept. And yet, again and again and again, many of us as Christians have been taught, well, you're supposed to be convicted of sin. God's supposed to point out your sin and go, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. I saw you do that. Cut it out. Um, and, and to me, I think this, um, this view of conviction can create a bit of a, um, like a, almost a bipolar kind of uh, feeling towards God and our position towards God of how we deal with our sin. Um, and we'll talk about confession as well, which I think, again, we bring it a, a sort of two-pronged side of things. And we, and we end up a bit split and divided in how we, how we talk to God about our sin, how we deal with God with our sin. Um, and the last thing I want, you know, because, you know, like Rebecca mentioned in the last session, you know, like, Sometimes sickness just happens, and you know we, we, we're free from sickness. We, we, we don't have to be sick, but we, we can say with fairly decent chances that most Christians at some point might get sick. It just seems to happen, and we don't know why. We, we have a few reasons that we know why. We have quite a few reasons we, we don't know why, but probably we could grasp with, and then there's probably a bunch of stuff that we just will never know. Um, and in the same sense, you know, sin, Christians are completely free from sin, but for some reason... Many Christians still sin, and most of the reason falls into the bracket of we have unbelief. We're, we're believing incorrectly, and we cause a sin. Maybe there's some other stuff as well in the mix, probably is, but um, we don't really need to focus on that. But th- what we can say is there's a very good chance that between this moment right now and the moment you die, whenever that is, hopefully a very, very long time, you'll probably sin at some point. I don't want to speak that over you in a negative, like, you know, shakarababa, the Lord says you will sin. Um, I just mean at some point there's a good chance we're all going to mess up at some point, right? And hopefully you guys are, are self-aware enough that you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, but that's the issue is we, we, we probably will have sin in our life. And so how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we engage with it? Because if we don't have the right um, tools in our hands, we can oftentimes bring a lot of weird baggage to our relationship with God. And we can start to actually undo a lot of the things we're learning about who we are in Christ and who God is, is a good God. And, um, and so I, I just want to give you a few um, more um, kind of, uh, on some levels practical, but maybe we'll start a bit more high tea of like, you know, well, actually, let's look at the scriptures here. So, so for something like the conviction of sin, um, which is something we talk about a lot in the church. I, I don't know if this is true of the, of the church in Germany, if the Lutheran church, if, if you guys have had that kind of um, upbringing as well of, of pastors or, or, you know, people in res- leadership roles going, you know, God will convict you. He'll point out your sin. You need to deal with your sin when he tells you about it. Um, but that's certainly, uh, in my experience, is very common in, uh, in the churches that I've been to, uh, grown up in, been exposed to. Um, but what's interesting, actually, is this uh, concept of conviction of sin is very rare in the New Testament. And in fact, the, 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 the explicit kind of phrase that God will convict people of sin happens once in the whole Bible, in the whole um, uh, New Testament. Um, and so it's actually not this like, you know, like recurring theme the whole way through the Bible. People going, God's going to point out your sin. God's going to convict you of sin. God's going to convict you of sin. That's not in the Bible. It's once in the Bible it says he'll convict of sin. The Holy Spirit will convict of sin. And so we, ha- we have a scripture, yes, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. But maybe we should look at that one scripture, read it in context, look at it, and see maybe what it's saying. And actually when we do that, we can actually find, oh, this fits very easily with, um, with the rest of the scripture. Um, because actually, as we, as we know, the majority of the New Testament is again and again and again going over and over and over. And it's saying, look, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. Um, And so it seems to me that God's um, conviction is that you are righteous much more than you are sinful. Um, And so for me, I'm like, okay, I really want to figure out, well, what does it mean when it says the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin? Um, And so we find this actually in in John 16, it's verse eight. So he's, this is Jesus. He's at the last supper. He's telling people about um, what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's, you know, when he remembers, says, you know, I'm going to go and it's going to be better though. Don't worry because the Holy Spirit's coming and he's going to comfort you and he's going to guide you and all this different stuff. And it's funny to me, isn't it? You know, you actually, have you ever thought about Jesus says, I'm going to go, right? So you've just hung out with Jesus for three and a half years, like right there in the flesh. Anytime you want, you go, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this Bible verse? Or Jesus why does this happen? Why do people get sick? And then Jesus gets to go, well, here's some reasons. And here's this. But, you know, you just do this and you'll heal them. And it, I mean, that was a pretty cool experience, I bet, for the 12 disciples. And he's sitting down and he's kind of preparing them. He's like, actually, I'm about to leave. Like, in a few hours, I'm about to leave. And he's like, so I'm about to leave. But don't worry. The Holy Spirit's going to come, but it's going to be better. How many of you actually think that having the Holy Spirit living in you is better than having Jesus sitting in the chair next to you. You can go, hey, Jesus, I don't understand what's going on. Can you help me? Right? I mean, that would be awesome. I want that. Right? I mean, if I'm honest, and I, I really honestly would prefer that. And I think that, that to me, this is a complete side point. But how much does that betray what we really think about having the Holy Spirit in us? And how much does it betray how much we really use that facility, that Holy Spirit lives in me, and actually that's better than Jesus sitting next to me? And if I don't believe that, it says I'm really not tapping into that reality. That's a whole other topic that we might talk about some other day. Um, but I just thought, you know, I'd bring it up. Um, 
So he's going through this whole thing and introducing, well, this is what Holy Spirit's going to do, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. And in the midst of this, we have John 16, um, and in chapter 8, uh, verse 8, he, he starts this kind of um, topic. He's saying, look, so the helper's going to uh, come to you, and he's going to be with you. And he says, and when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And we quote this a lot. And we go, oh, yes, well, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. He convicts people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We, we, we grab a hold of that verse. But what we fail to see is actually there's three verses immediately afterwards that explain that statement. So Jesus has said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he, conti- he follows it. And what does he say? The very next verse, verse 9, he says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Well, who doesn't believe in Jesus? Not the disciples. Do you not believe in Jesus? Hopefully. I mean, gosh, if, if you don't believe in Jesus, we have really screwed up. Um, like two and a half months in and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's not about you. Convicting the world of sin is not about someone who believes in Jesus. It's about someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. And actually, even that word sin, it's, um, it's a singular word. And actually, remember when we walked through Romans and I talked about how Romans, actually, we've got 42 mentions of the word sin and only twice is it about what you do. In the same sense, and, and when we look at the, the construction of this uh, and the Greek words and the grammar arounding it, uh, arounding it, surrounding it, around it, um, surrounding it, we, we see that this word sin is not about what you do. It's not about, you know, he's going to convict them because they didn't pay their taxes, because they cheated on their wife, because they killed someone. It's not about that. It's actually talking about this posture of being separate from God, of, 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 of choosing to live in unbelief. This, 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 this root issue that causes these sinful actions, like we talked about. And so there's a, the sin that is your, your position, your belief, your, your uh, stance towards God. And then there's a sin that, that, that causes actions, like you know, cheating on your wife, being angry at your neighbor, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and so right here he's saying the Holy Spirit, one of its responsibilities is to convict people that don't believe in Jesus, that they're far from him, that they've, they've separated themselves from him, that they're in a position of distance from God and, and, and that they don't need to be. But that's his role. He's going to be um, uh, intentionally working on people that don't believe in him to try and draw them to him. It's not even about a point in the finger going, you didn't pay your taxes. I saw you kick the neighbor's cat. I, you know, I saw you do that. and You shouldn't do it. That, that, it's not about the, you did this and this and this and this sin. It's about, you're, you're far from me, and you don't believe in me, and I want to draw you in. But what we do know is it doesn't relate to us, because we believe in him. And it explicitly says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. The next verse, though, is really exciting, because this is one that might actually apply to us. Verse 10 says, concerning righteousness, because remember it said sin, righteousness, and judgment is what he was going to convict the world of. The next verse is concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So he's, he's explicitly directing this topic of righteousness to his disciples. He's saying, it's because I'm going to my Father and you've been with me and, and you've had the relationship with me, but I'm going to my Father and you're not going to see me anymore. So you need the Holy Spirit to convict you of righteousness. So he's not, any, he's not talking about people out there anymore, okay? And I, and I do believe that God at times convicts people of that, absolutely. But I think it, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about right now is he's saying, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to convict believers that they are righteous. 
And the next verse is just kind of funny, right? Because it's got uh, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And you have um, uh, Colossians 2.2, Ephesians 4.4, both mention the ruler of this world is, is, is Satan. It's, it's this, um, this term that they give the, the devil. Um, and so what's it saying? He's saying, and then the last ministry of the Holy Spirit is just reminding the devil that he's lost. That's kind of funny, right? A third of the Holy Spirit's ministry is just to go, hey, Satan, just a reminder, you've lost. Like, that's a third of his ministry. I like that. Um, but, so, so, but let's look at this word. So you've got this word conviction. And actually, if you look at it in the Greek, um, it's the word elenko. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but that's fine. Um, uh, and what it means is uh, it means to convince someone of something or to bring something to light. Um, and so I don't know how the word translates in German. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment on that. You can confirm if it's similar to English. But when we talk about Eng- convict in the word of English, it's got quite a negative connotation. So we, we would have someone would be a convict, you know, if they were guilty and um, if they were in court maybe and they've gone before the jury and they've made their case and they've, uh, the judge is there and the jury go, we find the defendant guilty and he's convicted guilty um and then he becomes a convict and so that i mean that's kind of our english language around this word conviction and convict um and so it's got quite a negative connotation but actually we choose to focus on the negative because actually you can convict as innocent you're also convicted if you're made innocent but we don't really use that language and so convict isn't necessarily a bad word we choose to make it feel bad if that makes sense and so when we hear you're convicted, we go, oh, that's, that's bad, that's bad. But actually being convicted of righteousness, that doesn't sound bad. Um, and so when we, again, when we look at the Greek, this, this word that we translate as convict, it, it can also mean convince. And, and, and it's very root when we pull apart the word, it just means to bring something to light. So you, you just, you shine a light on something and you go, that's what it really is. So it's a convincing someone of, 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 of what's really there. Um, and so like the person that doesn't believe in Jesus they really need that light shone on them and convincing them, look, you really are in a place where you're, you're not connecting with God and you really need that. There's a need in you to, to connect with God. And in the same way, a lot of believers, we really need a light shine on us and going, hey, look, you really are righteous. You need to believe this. You need to see who you truly are. And so for me, when I think of uh, the Holy Spirit's ministry um, of conviction of sin, is that it doesn't, he doesn't ignore sin. Um, he doesn't ignore the, the stuff that we, we mess up with in our lives and it hurts us and it causes us problem. But instead, he shines a light on who we are. He shines a light past what we've done to who we are. Um, and I think that's the key. And this is what we've been talking about as we've been talking about our identity and these things is actually what you do. Um, it has consequences. It's, it's bad. It's, 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 it's problematic. But it's actually not um, it's a cosmic issue. It's not an issue that is eternal. It's not an issue that, that actually um, even necessarily has to affect you and God unless you choose to let it. Um, and I've always said this. Sin has a, um, a horizontal effect. But actually, vertically, it doesn't need to have an effect. You can kill your neighbor and it will not change how God sees you at all. It will not change God's grace for you. It will not change God's acceptance for you or his forgiveness for you or his love for you. It might change how you feel God might be able to love you or accept you or whatever based on your beliefs. But you know what it will change is your relationship to your neighbor. Uh, It will change how you're going to live in jail for the next 20 years. Um, It's going to change a whole bunch of things, you know. So on this level, 
It changes a lot of sin and it has real damaging effects, but it doesn't necessarily need to affect God. But God really wants to deal with the thing that causes this sinful action. And I think this is what conviction is about. And we see it when, when God doesn't convict unbelievers of their individual sins. He convicts them of that deeper root issue. And it's the same deal for us. God's not um, convincing us of our righteous acts. He's not sitting there going, well done, you did that really well. Although he probably is on some level, but that's not what this is talking about. He's going deeper and he's going, I want to convince you of who you are as a righteous person. And actually, that is what brings transformation, isn't it? It's not me pointing out your sin or pointing out your good stuff. It's me delving deep and pointing out who you are, the depth of, of, of your being, and drawing that out of you. And so when we sin, yeah, maybe, you know, we, we've had a really rough day at work and we come home to our spouse and um, we, we just take out on them. You know, we're tired. We, the boss yelled at us or something. And you come home and, and your spouse is like, hey, you know, how was your day? And you're like, shut up, you know, like, or I don't want to talk about it. And you go straight up to your room and you slam the door or whatever. And they're like, oh, I don't know what just happened. And, and what's God doing? He's not going to go, hey, that was really messed up. Cut that out. But actually, the way I was brought up, that's actually exactly how God would have convicted me. Phil. That was wrong. You shouldn't have got angry at your spouse. You shouldn't have done this. Well, actually, what God wants to do is he wants to convict us for our rightness. He's going to go, hey, Phil, remember, man, you're full of peace. You're full of joy. The stuff that your boss said to you today or the way your colleagues treated you, that doesn't change who you are. You don't need to let that change who you are, and you certainly don't need to let it spill out on anyone else. Like, you can live above that. You're full of peace. You're full of joy. You're full of kindness. You're full of... Uh, love and mercy and, and grace. And, and that's, that's who you are. That's who you get to be. And in that place of being convicted of who we are, convinced of who we are, of having the, the light shone on who we are at, at a root level, we, we are, that stuff starts to come up. You know, when, when you start to believe that, you go, oh gosh, I believe that. The first thing you want to do is go and apologize to your spouse. You know, the first thing you want to do is like um, allow that stuff to spill out of you and, 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 and impact your life. And actually, the next time you're at work and it becomes this big issue, you, you, you remember those words that God spoke to you. You know, you remember that gift of faith that he's given you. And you go, that's not who I am. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to listen to that negativity. I'm not allowing. And maybe, maybe what he's saying practically is right. Maybe you screwed up a job or you did something. And you know, oh, I'm really sorry about that. But you're not going to allow it to change who you are. You're not going to allow it to create bitterness or anger or resentment. Or, because you're, you're, you're working on a fundamental root um, issue every time God convicts you of your righteousness. And this, this dovetails so closely with what we were talking about of this gift of faith. When God speaks, you grow in faith. Every time God, the Holy Spirit, convicts you of your righteousness, you have an opportunity to grow in faith by saying, okay, by going, yes, I believe that, I accept that, I receive that. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of finish up with that and I want to ch- ch- jump onto the topic of confession because that's another issue, you know, because it... it Hopefully, you can see from that, you're not now expecting God to be going, Chris, I saw you do that. Don't do that again. Because that's not what it is. And, you know, the thing is, we actually, we start to listen for it. Because we believe that's how God, or we've been taught that's how God does things. So we, we're listening for it. And actually, what's interesting, I'm not going to gloss over conviction. I'm going straight back to conviction. Um, what, what's interesting is, I mean, how many times have you been uh, in a friendship or a relationship or something, and your friend has said something, and they go, uh, I don't know, you look really nice today. And you think, oh, did I not look nice yesterday? You saw me yesterday, you didn't say that, right? And it's like, take the compliment. They're, they're not saying you didn't look nice yesterday. They're saying you look nice today. But we hear what we feel. And what are we? If we're insecure about how we look, that's what we're going to hear. 
my insecurity. So my insecurity is like, I didn't look good yesterday. Or whatever it is, you know, like, um, it, it's, it's this thing of even when people are speaking good over you, you still, you're, you're sifting it to find the insult, to find the, the negative comment, to find the, the, the reason they don't really like you or don't think you're great or don't think you're pretty or whatever it is. And it comes down to our root issues, doesn't it? And so the, the truth is our root issues can cause us to expect God to convict us of sin. If we're looking for God to convict us of sin, when God goes, hey, what, you got really angry at your spouse. Like, that's not who you are. You're really graceful and you're like, you're full of life and you're full of joy and you're full of peace. And all you're hearing is you're like, you're right, I suck. Why would I do that? Oh, God, you're right. I am so stupid. I, I got angry and I did this. And, and we turn it around into conviction of sin rather than receiving this conviction of righteousness. And so it's really, this is why I really want us to understand that that's not God's ministry. God is not in the ministry of pointing out your sin. And, and the more we grasp that, the less we're going to allow ourselves to look for it. And actually, that's kind of, kind of a, a quite a long journey for some of us. I still sometimes feel that. Um, if I'm honest, there's times where I'm just like, oh, I feel bad. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's not God pointing that out. That's me digging it up. And actually, God's trying to say something much deeper and much more healthy and much more helpful. He's pointing out who I really am. And so just be aware of that as well, because at times you're going to be like, oh, I feel God said this to me. And you're right. You do feel that God said that to you. But it's very unlikely if it was you did this wrong, because that's not God's ministry. God is not pointing out your sin. He's pointing out your righteousness. And so if you feel God's pointing out your sin, you're right in the sense that you feel it, but you're wrong in the sense that he did not say that. Um, and so you need to learn to, to separate those two and also then question, hey, why am I feeling, why am I hearing the negativity and, the, and, the, and, and that stuff? Like what's going on in me that makes me feel that way? Because that's where you find your insecurities. That's where you find your fears. That's where you find your your worries and your stresses and your anxieties. And actually, that's where you get to start to work on some stuff. It's really good. Okay, so that leads me to confession. And again, confession is this really um, big topic in the church. I don't know, again, what it was like for you guys in church or, or, or you know, even here in the UK. I, I think people have different experiences. But I think on the whole, most of the church is taught you need to confess your sin. You need to sit down at the end of the night and list off all the sins you did so that God will forgive you or, and, you know, you know, accept you or whatever it is, you know. And, and this is a really big thing. Like, we, we really have this built into us. Um, but again, what's interesting is this is not all the way through the scriptures at all. Like, we find it here and there. Um, the best example might be in James, um, you know, confess your sins. But actually, even in that, you confess your sins to your brothers um, uh, or the elders. But, you know, like, there's this, this thing of actually... The issue is not in confessing sin. The issue is in understanding what confession is. And so confessing your sins is a biblical principle, but what we call confession of sin is not, okay? Because uh, what we call confession, confession of sin is basically say out loud what you did. It's confessing. I'm going to say out loud what I did. And so somehow me going to bed at the end of the night and I sit down and I get my head on the pillow and I go, okay, Jesus, today... Oh, where should we start? Right. Three seconds after I woke up, you know, right? And you just start going, oh, I got angry with my mom. And then I punched that kid at school. And then I like really hated that person because they did this. And I stole that thing from the shop. And I did this. And then I did that. Do you feel better after that list? 
Like, do you go, oh, I can sleep well now? No, you feel like a total pile of crap, right? You go, oh, what a waste of space I am. And the worst thing is you also sit there thinking, I probably missed a bunch of stuff as well, right? Because you never actually feel like you covered all your bases. And what a weird system. Again, like if we actually believe that God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, if he's, if he's said, I will never remember your sins ever again, why has he gone? Maybe this is why we believe in confession. Maybe we have to remind him. Maybe he's forgot. He's forgotten our sins. So we, at the end of every day, have to go, God, right, I know you forgot all my sins. I thought I'd better recap you. Okay, I better remind you what I did today because you chose to forget. Um, like, right? I mean, is that, obviously I'm being silly, but like my point is, if God has forget, forgotten our sins, why are we listing them to him? There you go. And this is what we genuinely, a lot of people believe. Like, God will only forgive what I've, what I've confessed and what I've, what I've spoken out. And, and, and we, we have this, this really warped belief because well, where does that come from as well right i mean because we have throughout the scripture we've got these elements of um if you confess the lord if you you know if, if you say the name of jesus if you declare the name of jesus if you accept his forgiveness um he'll forgive you that there's definitely um uh, elements of that but there's also stuff as well that says the exact opposite we forgive because we were forgiven first we um we uh jesus forgave us before we were born jesus forgave us before we existed you know what i mean like does, does Jesus go back and die on the cross for what we do tomorrow? Because, you know, he's only covered up to right this moment. And, you know, there's this element of Jesus taking away the sins of the whole world. Um, you know, dying for the cosmos, swallowing up the whole of the creation. Everything is swallowed up on the, on the cross. And, and, and yet somehow we go, yeah, but he didn't cover that time I got angry with that person. Right. Or he didn't cover this. And then what do we do? We honestly believe that every person. Is is going to be held accountable to for, ask for forgiveness for every single sin or they don't get into heaven. I mean, the place is going to be a ghost town. No one can be expected to remember everything they've ever done wrong. I mean, no one. And then what do you do if you if you die three minutes after your confession? Like and you you had a bad thought. Right. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like it's ridiculous. Right. Um, oh, I'll confess all my sins, and that's great. And then I walk out the door. Oh, she's really pretty. Oh, no, I just lusted. Oh, I got hit by a bus because I was looking at the pretty girl, right? I mean, right? And now I'm going straight to hell because I didn't confess that sin. And it's like, this is, like, what? And, and it works, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're ultimately saying is, is we have created another system. Or, oh, it's only by faith and by grace, and it's all his mercy. He's so good to forgive us if we sit down and do our part, if we do what we have to do. But what's interesting is when we look at the word confession, again, if we look at it in the, word, uh, the Greek, it, it's this word homologo, which um, actually just is, is comprised of these two words, homo and logos. And actually, when we look at those, homo means the same. Um, so you think of like homo sapien, homosexual, you know, this, this context. In the Greek, it just means the same. And, and logos is, is the word. Um, and so... And the words often speaks of Jesus. It may speak of uh, what Jesus has said, of, of what God has said, um, which can be recorded in our scriptures. It can be also um, spoken through other means. But, but typically it, it sums up as God's word, what God has, spe- uh, what God has said. Um, and so if we look at that and go confession means the same as God's word, the same as what Jesus says. It's quite interesting that we've turned a word that means the same as what Jesus says or the same as God's word into 
I have to say out loud my sin. Like, what, you know, could it be that to confess your sin is to say the same thing about your sin as what Jesus says? Because that to me seems much more healthy. And actually seems like it might actually work with what God's telling us throughout the rest of the New Testament as well. So, you know, for me, when it says to confess my sin, what do I do? I actually declare what Jesus is saying about my sin. And so I, I screw up, you know, and, and he convicts me of my righteousness. And I go, oh, man, you're right, God. That is who I am. And I've got all this stupid stuff I've done. I'm going to confess that. I'm going to say what you say about it. And I speak to the sin in my life. And I, I you know, so if I have, um, I have a, an anger problem. I keep getting angry with, with my friends or my spouse or whatever. Um, and God goes, look, Phil, you're full of joy and you're full of peace. Like, that's not who you are. And you're like, I'm so, you're so right, God. I really, I, I need to repent. I need to change the way I believe, change the way I think. Um, I've been convicted. And now I'm going to confess, you know, that anger is not a part of who I am. That's agreeing with what Jesus says. That's to say the same thing as what Jesus says. That anger is not going to cause my relationship to God to deteriorate. That's agreeing with what Jesus says. That anger is not going to be a problem in the future. That is definitely agreeing with what Jesus says because I'm righteous, I'm full of peace, I'm full of joy. And so actually I start speaking into my sin. I don't ignore it. I don't throw it to the side, but I sit down and I deal with it with God. I confess my sin. And I think, it's really important that we look at confession as this active interaction with God of, God, what are you saying about that sin? And actually, when we, when, we, when we see sin in our life, we can go, God, what do you have to say about that? And he goes, look, that isn't part of who you are. That's not going to be an issue for you. This is the solution to that issue. This is the beliefs that you need to put in place to stop that happening again. And we start speaking that out and we start to agree and say the same thing as what God is saying. And actually, it's in this process that the confession of sin actually transforms. It's in this process that the confession of sin actually freezes. Um, because confession of sin of just me sitting and listing my sins doesn't do anything. It just doesn't. And even if you believe it, it makes you forgiven, you were already forgiven. So it doesn't do anything that wasn't already done. And so it's really important that we, we grasp um, confession as this concept of agreeing with God, not just repeating something that's already been said. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.